into the Lord, into the frequency of the Lord. We have already done that with praise and worship, uh, but let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for ears to hear, eyes to see, mouths to talk. Lord, we thank you that at the place of our pursuit is where we will find you. And so, Lord, we, f- we pursue you. We believe we find you. We hear your voice. You're always here in the midst of us. So it's us dialing into your frequency. That's the work that has to be done. And so, Lord, we choose to do that today. We're here, available at your command, yielding to you, Holy Spirit, giving you way in any way you want. You promised us a year of visitation. And so, Lord, we expect a visitation. We thank you, Lord, that that is your heart's desire is to show up outside of here and in here. Hallelujah. And to reign true and reign big in our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for today and the delivery of the word. Use my mouth to get it right. Lord, we just tune in to what you have to say. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Who expects the Lord to visit? Hey, all right, today. Who expects the Lord to visit today? Who expects the Lord to to visit later on today? When you're all by yourself, do you expect the Lord to visit? Amen. Amen. Don't just let it hang on the wall. Talk about it. Receive it. Think about it. Dream about it. Dream big. The Lord's visitations are pretty big. I would say. So let's get started in the word today. Uh, from, and if there's a title for today, it's What's in Your Mouth? I think uh, John Travolta dressed up as Santa Claus in a Capital One commercial lately, and What's in Your Wallet? So take that tone, What's in Your Mouth? That's what we'll do today. We're going to talk about that today. So a Sunday, maybe it was last Sunday or a Sunday ago, I think it was last Sunday, Pastor talked on planning. But one of the most powerful statements he said is, are you living life or is life living you? Two very different things. And there's components to that. And he talked about planning and uh, setting before the Lord and getting a plan and executing that plan in our lives. There's other components to that. And so that's what I want to talk about today. One thing he said, he has said repeatedly over the years, the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges he's faced in ministry as a pastor is getting people to stop saying what they're saying and start saying the word and will of God in our lives. There's very few things I've ever heard, and maybe you've heard something different, but he said it's been an absolute challenge, and it's what comes out of our mouths. And if he could change it all, that'd be the one thing he would change immediately for all of us. But you know he can't do that. We have to do that. So words have power spiritually and just naturally, right? So... Naturally speaking, I could say something to to somebody and it could go well or not go well. So in the natural realm, they have an impact. Spiritually, though, is where they're the most powerful. There is a language to faith and there is a language to unbelief. If we're going to live by faith, we're going to have to open our mouths. The faith life is not a quiet life. It's not just a pondering life. It's not just a hearing life. It's also a speaking life. Faith does not work if it's not given voice. Amen. So we know Brother Mark Hankins, everybody, anybody know Brother Hankins? 
Some of you may not, but he comes here every year, a great partner to the ministry, and we're a partner to them. He says, if faith doesn't move your mouth, it will never move a mountain. He also says, never run towards your giant with your mouth closed shut. Amen. So I'm going I'm to make you work a little bit today with me. This is not fair for me to just have to work. You're going to have to work too. All right? We're going to have some confessions. Rand, I'm going to warn you, some pop-up confessions throughout uh, today. So repeat these after me. I am blessed of the Lord. I have the mind of Christ. I am healthy, wealthy, and wise. Amen. There's three. I'll give you a little break, and we'll come back to more later. How's it? You know, that last one, I am healthy, wealthy, and wise, you know, this is particularly our family. We've used that one for when the kids were real little, right? You know, sickness and things like to be around little kids early on, and we all have, we live in a fallen world, so we have to deal with that. We have to deal with health issues. We have to deal with financial issues, and we have to deal with good and bad decisions, whether they're wise or not. And so we early on declared that in our family, and it's paid dividends. You don't usually see the result of something right away. You don't see the result of a tomato plant when you plant the tomato seed. It's down the road. It's way down near the end of the runway where you start to see where all that work of plowing that ground made all the difference. And uh, not that we have arrived, and that'll be a confession until at least I'm gone, uh, but we, it's been, been marvelous. And that's the power of confession and declaration of the word in our lives. So uh, science, you know, science catches up with the word of God when they get it right. So I've got a few, few things to set the tone and context for today and give you a little, little picture of what we're talking about. So the world, this is no new news to anybody, the world's made up of those who talk a lot and those who don't, all right? So set the tone here. So the numbers I'm going to give you are averages, all right? So, uh, and just a funny story about, to give you an example, I pick on my family, so nobody else in here feels bad. But uh, when we were little, uh, I don't know if, I don't remember if I was at the doctor's visit or not. I probably lived this story through Dina, but she took the boys to do their checkup, little, little guys. And, but Gabe was of the age that he should have been saying things. And every now and then I think we got a word out of him. So they're getting their exam and, you know, Dina asks, you know, is there something wrong with him? He doesn't say anything. Not much has changed, by the way, but <laughs> he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't say anything, you know. So the doctor goes through the routine of, you know, seeing if we can get this kid to talk and respond. And, you know, Gabe, what's your favorite color? Garrison says blue. <laughs> what's your favorite toy? Garrison says truck. And after a series of questions, the doctor says, that's your problem right there. <laughs> and not much has changed. Amen. <laughs> if I gave him a microphone now, he'd finish today's uh, sermon for me. But you know I love you. So assuming we're awake 17 hours out of the day, that means we sleep seven. That's averages two, some three, some 13 hours. But let's just say we're awake 17 and we're asleep seven. We, on average, speak 16,000 words a day. Whew, that's a lot. And that equates to about 1,000 per waking hour. That's a lot. So the question for today as we teach is, how many agree with the word of those 16,000, and how many don't? 
Hmm. All right, moving on. I'm going to break this up into three sections of the day. The first section is why does giving voice to words matter and why does saying matter? All right, now I phrased it that way. Why does giving voice to words matter? Because words can just sit still. They can sit dormant. They can sit in our heads. They can sit on these pages. But when we give voice to them, they get activated. Amen? Well, number one, because the word says so. Amen. That's a good place to start. If you don't know anything else, if the word says it, just do it. But I'm going to give you a few examples why. Turn, to, turn with me to Genesis chap, excuse me, chapter 1. Grab a little water here. If you could see behind the speaker, you would see uh, Oreo cookies, ham sandwich. Uh, and just water in a tissue box. Not that exciting. All right, I'm going to read through here, skip with me, jump around. I am going to read today from, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. We don't have anything on the screen, so I'm going to go back and forth between New Living Translation and New King James Version, so just bear with me on this. Sorry for the screens out. They'll be up soon with all the changes. We're getting some experts in here to rewire and reconnect and help, and it'll be back. If you're an auditory learner, this has been your season, so congratulations, uh, but we'll have them back up soon. So, no, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So, verse, verse 2 there, he was hovering. So, faith created power at that point was hovering, hovering. And then in verse 3, then God said, faith created power was released, began to be released. God released that in verse, starting in verse number 3. And I'm going to skim through this. I'm not going to read it all. But to just make a point of the 10 times just in the first chapter where God said, then God said, let there be light. And then he put out some details, further said details. Verse 6, then God said, let there be space between the waters. God said, and then details. Verse 9, then God said, let waters beneath the sky flow together, and then laid out more details with the spoken word of faith. Verse 14, then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate day from night. He said, and then more details. Verse 20, then God said, now if God, I'm going to pause here, if God had to say, then should we have to say? Amen. Okay. Verse, I'll skip down, verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Detailed it out. Then God said, verse 26, let us make human beings in our image to be our likeness. And I'll just stop there. Make human beings to be in our image and our likeness, just like him, operate just like him. Be like him, exist like him, have faith, creative faith like him. If God said, if he made us in his image and his likeness, and God had to say, then we should have to say. Proof that words matter. Why does giving voice to words matter? Why does saying matter? Because faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What sources do you and I hear from? We hear, you hear me right now. What's so funny about that? 
podcasts. We hear those. We hear, what are other, other ways we hear? We hear from ourselves. Amen. We hear from ourselves. I speak to myself first because I have to get, get it in my inner ear. I believe myself before I believe anybody else. That's why it's so important that we hear from ourselves first. When something gets ingrained in my head, and I'm going to read this one because it's a little long, and where things of faith are concerned, ingrained in my spirit, I believe it. It comes up when I need it. It's always there speaking to me. So if I have ingrained in my head and in my spirit that the stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, that's going to be the predominant thing that swirls in my mind and in my heart in the midst of sickness, not the voice of sickness. I didn't say you wouldn't deal with sickness. I said, what are you thinking on when you are? Amen. Another reason why giving voice to words and what we say matters The word spoken has power. Not just the word has power, but the word spoken has power. In Matthew 8, 8 and 9 was the situation of the officer and had a servant, a highly valued servant that was really bad off, paralyzed and not doing well. And that officer had the principle because of the military training that Jesus said, I'll come healing. And the officer said, I'm not worthy of you coming in my house, but if you just say the word, he's going to be healed. The officer believed in the power of the spoken word, not necessarily the vicinity of Jesus or anybody else. The power of the spoken word, which when I really peel that back means if I just speak the word, the circumstances or the situations or who's around and who's not, It'd be nice to have, it's nice to have brothers and sisters that pray in agreement with you. But when it all comes down to it, the power of the spoken word will get me healed. Amen. You know, on the other side of this example is the Babylonians and the, the tower. Everybody remember the tower? Not the Freedom Tower down in uh, at Liberty, but that's a Freedom Tower. But it says in Genesis eleven six, look, he said, this is God. I think he's talking to the Holy Spirit, to the Son. The people are united, and they speak, all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now, these were heathen. These were sinners. These were people up to no good. And yet, not, them speaking in a unified voice of faith brought power and ability, even on the wrong side of the ledger. Think about us. Think about our declarations. Think about if we agree with the Word of God, and then we agree as the body of Christ, the strength and power of that unified voice, backed by the power of the Word of God. Nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop the will of the Lord on this earth. You want another reason? Another reason why giving voice to words matters, why what we say matters. Turn with me to James 3. I had to type all these scriptures out because we didn't have the screen, so I'm going to put my Bible down there. So, you know, these 10 pages I have is not, you know, we're not going to be here till the 10th of March, I promise you. I just have the scriptures here. James 3, verse 2 through 6, and then verse 10. Our tongue is a rudder. 
Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control, control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn, what, turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the body parts, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. That's, pretty st that's strong wording right there. Unless we change the way we think, right? An uncontrolled tongue has this verdict, has this output, this harvest. And down in verse 10, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Cursing, the bad stuff, the word, the good stuff, all out of the same mouth. You know, what we say, it determines our course. It sets direction. And that's what's so important with it. And the other thing that's important to know is it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much of saying the wrong thing. And guess what? It doesn't take much of saying the right thing. If we had faith as a mustard seed, very small, smallest among seeds. Amen? Amen. It doesn't take much to change your situation. Our mouths and what we say have to be led and managed like a ship does. Circum it talked about circumstance. A little teeny rudder in the back, though, can navigate through anything. And it's a precision tool, you know, kind of like a stick of dynamite. You can use dynamite for good if you're making highways and things like that, or you can blow the neighborhood up. But that's the impact of the, what we say. Amen? A tiny thing, a tiny rudder can change, turn a gigantic ship in a terrible storm. That's, that's the analogy of what we say, of how powerful what we say can be. Another reason why putting words, you know, putting voice to words and what we say matters is how many of us here think during the day? How many have thoughts during the day? All right, yeah. I know the answer is yes. You can give voice to yes. One way to control what we're thinking and to take our thoughts captive because the word says to do that, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Romans 12, 2, few others, is we have to take our thoughts captive. Runaway thoughts are disastrous. They send us in, down the drain. They send us in a spiral. They get us to a place where it's hard to get out of. And so the Bible, the Lord put in the word, hey, you need to take your thoughts captive. And what's one way you do that? The primary way you do that. When you say something, that's what you hear. When you don't say anything, you hear what you're thinking. Philippians 3.13 says, <clears throat> No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 4 and 8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Well, when you tie that in with Joshua chapter 1, which was the Lord 
uh, help giving Joshua confidence in being the leader and what he had to, had to do. Joshua had a confidence problem. You want to know why he had a confidence problem? Because of what he was letting swirl in his head. The Lord said one thing, but he saw another thing. And because he kept his mouth shut and kept thinking on those things, that became his reality. And so the Lord helped him out like he'll help us out. He says, do not let the word depart from your mouth. What does that mean? It means don't let saying the word not happen. Don't go silent on me. Declare the word of faith. And then he says, meditate on it day and night. Well, the Hebrew word for meditate is to process. Uh, to process, to moan, to growl, to make a noise. That's kind of the Hebrew root of that word. Meditation, just thinking on the word alone, is not enough. We've got to allow, we've got to think on the word and allow it to part out of our mouth. Because there's a, a neat thing that happens. It recycles in our hearing. Amen. And it pushes out. It's like a glass of water that has, you know, a little bit of grape, grape juice in it. Right? It's tainted. It has a tint to it. But the more clear water you put in it, the tint, tinted water starts to spill out. And eventually you have what at least looks like a very clear, pure glass of water. And so the, the rehearsing of the Word of God does that. When I'm thinking sickness, the more I talk about by the stripes of Jesus I am healed the more the picture of sickness leaves, no matter what the condition still looks like. Amen? And there becomes a point where your faith catches up. It catches up and overcomes and overwhelms sickness. It overwhelms lack. It overwhelms worry. Now, if we've been thinking on these things for a long time, it's going to take a little bit of work. But think about that glass of tainted water. There's a point when, you, when the light bulb goes off is the point where your faith is fully and completely released, that all you see is a pure glass of water. Amen? All right. So I haven't fully meditated Scripture until I've said them. Our minds are a battlefield. Joyce Meyer wrote a great book many, many years ago, The Battlefield of the Mind. That was one of the earlier faith books that we got a hold of that really, really helped kick us into a new gear. You know, all the time, there's this opportunity to think fear, to be afraid of something, to worry. Who was raised with the idea that worry was a godly concept? Right? If I worry, I care. If you worry, you're wrong. The, worry says, the Bible says worry is sin. It, it says that. It doesn't say a whole lot around it. It just says worry is sin. Amen. In the Gospels. Amen. <clears throat> Doubt. Who doubts? Occasionally. You got doubts, right? Past failures. You know, Paul said, I forget the past. I'm forgetting the past. Those are hard to overcome if you sit there silent because the thought's going to prevail of why it didn't work the last three times. But faith is what? Now. Faith isn't yesterday and faith isn't in the future. Faith is right now. Amen? So if I declare the Word of God now and I act on the Word of God, no matter what number of past failures are stacked up against me, the faith to get to where I need to be is now. Amen? And then things like, uh, and I won't spend too much time here, but I've had experience. Not, I haven't personally dealt with this, but I've dealt, family has dealt with this. Depression or discouragement of a severe degree. And I'm not a, I'm not a 
trained expert in this, but I've been exposed to it, and I know what the Word of God says about it. And so that's what I'm going to bring to you. If you disagree with anything, that's fine. Uh, just don't voice that. <laughs> Practice the right to remain silent. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, that's a topic where uh, words are so important to overcome. Because there's no, I've heard Brother Keith say this, I have run out of files in the filing cabinet. There's nothing else in there that's going to help me dig out of this. There's no answer, no, no file in the back of that that I haven't tapped into yet. I've thought through this, and I'm now in a spiral and a circle that I can't get out of. We need the Word of God to get us out of it. That's one of the most serious mental conditions, because at some point, it starts to affect hormones and chemicals. It goes deep into our mind and into our bodies. And we have to stop it. Words, and this science has proven this, like I finally caught up, that words can reshape and rewire our brains. The physiological part of us. Now we know in our spirits and by faith, boom, just like that, we can declare faith. Our spirits don't need that. We're there. We just need to have it in us. But our bodies and our minds, this natural being is made up of chemicals and different things, and it can be affected. I mean, you look at the fall, the fall of man and the influence of the enemy in the earth. You can see that there are natural things that are opposed to spiritual things. Well, our bodies and minds are the same way when we let worry, doubt, fear, discouragement, depression settle in. And science has proven that hormones and chemicals regulate differently based on what is said, heard, and thoughts we act on. So words are tools for regulating the mind and body. And having been around that condition for, you know, several family members for a long period of time, the, the, the true medicine for that are words of faith. Amen? Use that as some encouragement. Why do, what, why do giving voice to words matter and say, what we say matters? It indicates what's in our heart. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Nobody's allowed to get mad at me. Brought of vipers, how can you be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure uh, of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. There's a very, very serious about what we say. You know, we are what we eat, right? We, we laugh about that. If I eat pizza every day, I look like a pizza at some point. But we are what we say in a more serious manner. From the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. It also leaks. And he warned us about idle words and watching our mouth. Amen? Another reason... Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue can bring, this is another version, the tongue can bring death and life. Those who talk life will reap the consequences. Those who, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So talk life and reap life. What more important pathways in life are there than death and life? And the, the, the deciding factor on which way we err is based on what we say, not what we think, 
what we say. The last thing, we'll move on to maybe some homework for the week. Everybody like homework? It's for your good. There are grades, though. I mean, I'm not grading you. You might grade yourself. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 through 10. To accept Jesus, we have to confess. We just can't think Jesus is our Lord. We have to declare him as our Lord. Believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, right? That he was raised from the dead. That he bought my eternal salvation. And a saved life here on the earth. So if salvation requires our confession, then so does everything else we need in life. Ready for some confessions? You excited about it? They make you feel good for a minute. You're not thinking about anything, a hungry stomach or mad at your wife or husband or anything like that. They just make you feel good. So think about these. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. His will is at work in me. The blessing of the Lord is working in me now. Now imagine if you said that all day. Wouldn't you feel good? Wouldn't you get charged up? You know, the Holy Spirit will help us when we do that. He'll jump in like a supercharger on a car. We get the engine rolling, we get it in gear, we start moving, press on that gas pedal, and then the supercharger kicks in. (laughs) And tires spin and rubber burns. and You make some noise when that happens. Amen. Section number two, how can we work on our saying? This is homework. This is where homework begins for the week. Well, first, there's a condition to faith working that's usually overlooked. I've overlooked it, and I have to remind myself. And that's first action for this week is forgiveness. And it's so important because in Mark 11, 23, and 25, I won't have you turn there, I'll read. I tell you the truth, you can say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it'll be yours. How many, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't feel like that's always at work in my life every day. I'm working on it. But then I realize why it doesn't work as often as it should. should. Verse 25, it's a conditional verse. Kind of liked it had been at, at the head of the, you know, I'd rather that had been verse 23. But the Lord put it in 25 just to catch us right at the end. But when you are praying, first forgive. Our words have no power. Our faith has no power in unforgiveness. So step number one, first forgive. You know, we know all forms of unforgiveness. You know, I can, Brother Durwood can make me mad, and I don't ever make him mad. But he makes me mad. I know that's blatant, direct unforgiveness, right? But think about somebody didn't do something our way or we just don't like how they do them and we develop this inner building and working of bitterness or disdain or things like that. Dig deep. This is your homework for the week. Dig deep. Find those places and communicate that forgiveness. Even it's it's mostly for ourselves. But communicate that forgiveness. Release it and allow your words to open up with the power of faith. A place to, and the Holy Spirit can help us with this. We absolutely need his help. We can't do it on our own. A place or some ideas to practice this. So when you're going through the chicken nugget line, and they give you a four count instead of an eight count, 
Oh, now's the time to bless the Lord and bless those people and declare the word of faith. Or someone cuts you off on the road. You know, in my mind, when somebody cuts me off, that machine gun pops out of the hood of my car. You know, I'm just cranking through that thing, you know. It does, I'm sorry. It's just a, something that happens. But, uh, but, you know, of course I can't give way to that. Oh, it's just an opportunity, right? Things like that. Just be aware of that. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware of it because practicing forgiveness with our spoken voice is a great exercise. Number two, something we can work on, taking inventory of what we are saying, an inventory list. Malachi 2.17, you have wearied me, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You've wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. You know, with evil words, words that violate or disagree with his promise, right? We're not probably in this room, we're not saying evil things to the Lord or calling bad people good. But what about complaints and doubts and unbelief given voice? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do we have any of those? Do we ever say things big or small that are contrary to the word of God? Think about some things. I'm just helping you here. I'm not saying you do any of these. I'm just saying I've experienced it myself. We may have been, become accustomed to or numb to a few. I'm going to give you some sayings to think about. And you'll hopefully after this be, realize, ooh, there's a lot maybe I need to take inventory of. What about I am worried or I'm worried sick? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever heard that? Or that just makes me sick? Or I'm scared to death? Amen. Power of life and death are in the tongue. The Lord gave us the choice of life. But I'm scared to death? Tickles me to death. There's no reason to have a tickle fight and think about death. You ought to have fun with that, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, now, for, um, how long have we been here? 20-ish plus years in the area? There's a saying that's unique to hear that I didn't hear from home, hometown. You ask me, how are you doing today? I'm fair to Midland. Now, Midland spelled I-N-G, but it said Midland without the G. Fair to Midland. You ever heard that one? Anybody ever heard that one? Or is there just two people in this town that say that, that I run into all the time? How are you doing? A fair to Midland. That's one. He is the Lord that heals me. I can't be Midland. Amen. He gives me all good things to enjoy. I can't be fair. If the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. I mean, that one's funny. Is there a song about that, Nick? Like a country song or something? You know, you hear that one, right? I mean, it's funny, you kind of get it, you know, and all that, but it's the Lord's will to heal. If the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, if the flu doesn't jump, jump on top of the COVID, and, the, you know, and that's the creek that rises when the other thing comes on, you know. Here's another one. When you get old, it all starts to fall apart. Psalm 103, verse 5. He satisfies my mouth with good things, and my youth is renewed as an eagle. I know I'm not, I'm not as old as Durwood. I'm picking. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm not catching up either, but we're, we're working at the same pace. He's just out ahead of me a little bit. By the way, Durwood was born on the exact same day and year as my dad. So I know he's old, is what I'm saying. <laughs> now I pick on Durwood. If anybody ever wants to grow up and get older, follow this guy. 
He just shows you how to do it. What's that? That's exactly. He's more mature and seasoned than I am. So, no, I'm picking. I love Durwood. That's, you don't hear that ever coming out of Durwood's mouth. Durwood's a man of faith. Faith stuff comes out of his mouth. And I will say, if he hears something that may not be right, he won't say a word. He'll look at you. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And I've learned from Durwood. I, I try to be like that. Here's another one. If it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Now, that's a country song. I've heard that one. <laughs> I'm always a day late and a dollar short. Well, faith is now in the Lord blesses me exceedingly above and beyond anything I can ask or think. There's no way that one can be true. Is that what I want to talk about? What could I say? I could have said what I just said. Well, faith is now, and the Lord's blessed me with all abundance. But it feels funny when everybody's chuckling, right? They want you to say I'm a day late in a dollar shirt. And, oh, yeah, I relate to that. Here's the Murphy's. Anybody heard of Murphy's Law? Now, this is my upbringing, all right? I lived around Murphy's Law. It was actually had a plaque in the garage with Murphy's Law on it. I mean... <laughs> This is like making, you're, it's still, it's still there. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to put something on the wall to remind you of it. You know, it's, <laughs> okay. But that's what happens when you're not trained to the Word of God or value the Word of God in that way. You know, what, the basic, the primer of Murphy's Law is if anything can go wrong, it will. Well, I grew up with that. Before I got a hold of faith, man, I believe that. You know, I'm like, if I start to work on this, Something can go wrong, it will go wrong, and it'll fall apart. And that took a lot to untrain. Even when I got the words right, and I really reshaped my mind, it's still there if I don't keep on top of it. I got to take, maybe it's a lifelong medicine in that area, but I got to take that medicine the rest of my life with the Word of God. And then another one, so I learned this from my dad, hopefully he's not watching today, but when we work on things, he has little patience with things that don't work, or designed in a non-friendly way to fix or repair. Be quiet over there. I learned from him because we used to work on cars and house projects and things together. He had a very short fuse with stuff that didn't work the way it was supposed to. Or when you have four bolts to undo, three are easy to get to, and the fourth one you have to take the engine out to undo. Right? Anybody ever dealt with one of those things? I was trained to respond with not words of faith. I was trained to call it what it is, and not what it, I want it to be. <laughs> and I was also gifted with that lack of patience. And so I've had to overcome that. In fact, just recently, since my children wanted to make fun of me, uh, they've witnessed that when I'm working on cars or something, they've witnessed, or anything, uh, you know, who would ever design something like this? Were, they, were their eyes closed when they designed this? You know, were they walking backwards? Did they eat something wrong for breakfast, who would ever design something this way? Piece of junk. You know, that, so anyway, stuff like that. So one of the cars broke down. I was out west, and the kids, Garrison and Gabe kids, were working on the car. And so they did what they did and sent me a video, and Gabe was acting like me. <laughs> and he was pacing around going like this. Who would ever design a piece of junk like this? Who would do The point is, so we can move on and all go home today, our past, our learning, our associations have shaped how we, you know, how we speak, how we think. Uh, this takes work. It takes work to recognize and then correct. So it's not necessarily easy work, and we don't always get it right all the time. We have to back up, fix it. And I want you to know that. You work on it, might have a bad Wednesday. 
get right back on it. Faith is now. Faith doesn't think about the past. Yep, I blew it Tuesday. Guess what? I'm not going to blow it Wednesday. Does that free you up a little bit? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it all right. Be free. Proverbs 6.2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Make sure you're hooked with the right words. So a reminder before we get to the the next action item, and we're kind of coming to the end here. Out of 16,000 average words, and that's the average, what are they for you? Under the, under the action of, you know, paying attention to your words, taking inventory and things like that. Something I did a few years ago is I paused each hour, wrote down the word, things I thought I said during the day. It may not feel good at first, but it catches you. I'm just giving you some recommendations. You can do it if you want or not, but it helps. So another thing to do... Uh, Here's an, an idea of something to work on. Create your own list of confessions. You know, this will help you when you don't feel like it. And it's a foundation of consistency, right? We want to yield to the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues, and you'll get things to say up from the Holy Spirit. But build a base of confessions or declarations you make in, in your life every day. There's so much, so much material, so much thing you can come, things you can come up with that you have a foundation because most of the time, you're not going to feel like it, right? If you're hit with sickness, you don't feel like conf- confessing healing scriptures, right? You feel like taking drugs and crawling in the bed. If you have bills piled up or a financial situation, look, that's, all, that's what you see. You can't really, out of nowhere, bring up these lists of faith statements. You've got to get the engine going, and the Holy Spirit supercharger can kick in. They help us do that. We have here the healing scriptures. The finance scriptures, we have a card for love confessions. So if you need that, right, if there's strife in marriage or strife in family or strife at work or anything like that, you don't, you don't feel like doing it, which can be a big drag against actually doing it. So get the engine started with these confessions and then trust in the Holy Spirit. And go through your confessions, jump over into praying in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit supercharger will jump on and you'll start speaking faith now. Run that out. You'll run all that mess out. It may take a long time on some things. It's okay. What else you got to do? <laughs> when all this is over, where are you going to go? Not going to be round two of this. It's going to be done for eternity, one way or the other. So work on it now. You have plenty of time in some ways to work on it. It's really all we really need to do. I've got, and this is an example, um, do what you want to do. This is what I call my little black book. It's kind of like my little life flight manual. It goes along with my Bible. I've been working on this for 15 years. And in it, I have goals and objectives and things like that. You don't have to have this. When I started, I had one piece of paper. Um, but over 15 years, it should be worth something. Otherwise, I wasted 15 years. But in it, I also have um, daily confessions that are consistent, but I'll rotate as well. Like if I hear the, if I'm in a season of something, I'll rotate some foundation. And these get me started. I do them right when I get in the car in the driveway. I finish them in the driveway and then I leave. It's a routine. I always do them whether I feel like it or not. Most of the time, I always do them whether I feel like it or not. I've got to be honest with you. And I have I have things in here. I forgive any and all. I have no bitterness or grudge towards anybody. I choose to forgive and I choose to walk in love. I say that first and foremost all the time when I feel like it and when I don't. This is be my best day, week, month, and year yet. Something good is going to happen to me today. Get the engine going. 
while the other one warms up. His favor goes with us and before us. My steps are ordered by the Lord. That's been a recent years because things have built up with the business and ministry and family. There's no way I can capture all the right steps nor the ordering of them. So I've really had to lean into the Lord to help do that. I won't read them all, but, um, you know, even health, I, I command every, because some family members and others have dealt with real sicknesses, cancers and things like that. Not things I've really experienced up until recent years. I command every cell in my body to be consistently and equally replaced or renewed. I rebuke all bad cells from existing in my body. And if, if I hear a report of something that I just say it over and over until it's not stuck in me. Right? It might still be there, but it's not stuck in me. Anyway, do something like that. Some form or some sticky notes, whatever, whatever works, do something. Hanging on the bathroom window. You know, things like Psalm 112, which I, I, this has been one of my foundational ones. You know, it, it says in there, it's a rich one. You know, just read through it out loud. Read through Psalm 112 out loud. One that matters, means the most to me is uh, about bad news coming to the believer. One of my, the godly will not fear bad news. You know, one thing, we had some business situations. I mean, maybe tomorrow it could have been bankrupt type of things for a while. That was all that was on my mind. And as the business has gotten bigger, this is Delta Star business I'm talking about. As my roles change and the business has gotten busier, it runs 24-7, 365 days a year in more than one country. It didn't used to be like that, so I didn't have to think like that. But I, you have a hard time going to sleep, just like you do in your areas. If things are running all the time, it might be hard to go to sleep. Because at any point in time, and there was a time when it was like, when's the bad news coming? I'm going to stay up just to wait for the phone call. That's how bad it was. That I have a confession I say all the time. As a godly person, I don't fear bad news when it comes, nor do I fear it when it does come. I say that every day, because I... That's a, you know, I grew up under Murphy's Law, right? You got to have a counter Murphy's Law uh, pill there. All right, so foundational scriptures, Psalm 23, Psalm 91, you know, get those listed out. Just read through them. Basically, what I'm trying to say is you can create an environment for yourself where there will be no void in your day, absent of the Word of God. And I think that's a secret sauce to getting to the next level, getting ahead not getting run backwards, is not allowing any voids for the devil to get in. And always having at your fingertips, based on a certain subject, some retaliation in the word. Amen. Last thing, uh, don't quit, saying. Don't quit. Don't quit. I have to continually say to build my faith. Think exercise. You have to continually exercise to stay in shape. Think about training as a professional athlete. What do they do? They train, they train, they train, they train to stay at the top and to still have a place in the sport. Take one year off, you may no longer have a job in a sport. Think about the life of faith. Training helps us win. When we win, we don't quit. That's the value of training. Amen? Winners win. And winners train, train, train until they win all the time. And when you win... Whoever gives up when you, I mean, think about it, just one, I, no, I'll give up, I quit. No, but when you keep losing, that's when you want to quit. Susan Bioman, I think I'm saying her name right, but it was a book about healing. She was a physician who went into ministry way back in the day. 
she said something about, and this is in the vein of not quitting, keeping at it. She was in healing ministry predominantly. And she said this about, you know, regarding our time, our commitment, our investment, and our preparation in the word. She said something like, you know, people expect hands to be laid on them and come up anyway, even if you're not prepping or timing, you know, come up and expect hands to get laid on you. But this is when we leave here and when we're training and when we're prepping, or even when you're listening to someone preach, focus on it. Focus. And what she said is time, commitment, investment, preparation to the word. People expect, and this could be any subject, people expect hands to be laid on them to be healed but aren't necessarily willing to put the time, effort, and attention into their part of getting healed. Put finances there. Put peace of mind there. I can't be a passive listener and not focus on the study and application of the Word of God and expect the results promised in the Word of God. Section 3 and the final section. A very short section. So things to think on. You got homework, you got why it matters, you got homework, and then things to think on kind of for context. Out of the number of words, 16,000, some of you maybe it's 30,000, some maybe two. What will occur if I begin to shift that percentage to more words of faith and less to idle or adverse words? Shift. Think about it. That's why taking inventory is important. I kind of know where I am. If I'm 50-50, can I get to 60-40? Can I get to 65? This is, I heard Brother Moore, Keith Moore say this one time in the area of receiving and the manifestation of healing. Helped me, set me free. Because I was like, I'm declaring my healing, but I feel nasty. Is it not working? It's not true. There's two things at war here. Faith needs to overcome. Remember the glass of water? The grape, the tenant water needs to be overcome. And if it's been there a long time or a condition or mindset's been there a long time, to think it'll fix itself overnight, miracles can happen. We don't live off of the miraculous. We live off of faith. We appreciate and we expect and we wait for miracles and we position ourselves to receive miracles. But we don't live off of miracles. We live off of faith. Amen? And he said this, you know, focus on faith progress, not conquering the world. And he gave an example in the area of progressive healing, or progressive manifestation of healing. When you declare that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, faith has received now. I can start thanking him for it. I may throw up five minutes later. That doesn't change what faith just said. Unless we allow it to get back in our mind, then that becomes a bit of our reality again. We keep recycling what's already there. We say what it is versus we say what we want it to be. Faith is now. Faith receives now. Healing has occurred. The manifestation of it in our natural bodies now needs to catch up and be connected. And he said one way to to fight back that feeling of this is not working is to look at it in iterative steps. What if, and this is where Thanksgiving and praise kick in, what if today I had a temperature of 104, 108? How about 108? Everybody can relate to that. 104, and I couldn't keep any food down. Well, tomorrow morning I wake up, and it's down to 100, and I can eat some chicken noodle soup. That's to be praiseworthy, right? Keeping ourselves in focus of the faith that we received 
People going, and I think this was about someone who was going through cancer and a treatment through cancer, didn't heal itself over, the body didn't heal overnight. And the report still showed things. But said the guy was basically unconscious, and by weeks in, he was conscious. Oh, praise the Lord. It's working. It's manifesting itself. But if you don't think on those things, if you don't think about progressive steps, you go from victory to defeat, from one word to the next. Amen? Does that help any? So saying, declaring the word overcomes. It overtakes the current condition. It replaces or re-engineers my circumstances. You know, just like a QB, everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl today, right? Brother Doug, 27-24, those are my odds, all right? I say it publicly. He always likes to say, what's the score going to be? We don't bet, but, you know, if he was a heathen, he'd be a betting man. I can promise you that. So... 27-24, 27-24, he loses, you heard it publicly. But just like a QB or, you know, a baseball pitcher, uh, they align their body for where they want the ball to go. So we should do the same with our words of faith. We need to align our words of faith with where we want the ball to go and get rid of the bad ones. We'll th- we might hit a batter if we, th- we don't have the right words. We might throw it into the stands or into the dirt for no good. We are in charge and should be the predominant voice in our ears. So talk to yourself. You will look crazy. You look crazy from here. So just be good with it. I'm just kidding. All right, how about some uh, confessions as we close out? Three confessions. i got three. Only three. We'll be done before they get up here. I am blessed in the city. And I am blessed in the field. He satisfies my mouth. Say, with good things, with little enthusiasm, with good things. So that my youth is renewed as an eagle. Don't, don't repeat this. Do, do that when you're 20 years old. Do it when you're 40. Do it when you're 50. Do it when you're 150. All right? Do that. Say that when you're 20 years old. So when you're 50 years old, you're like a 35-year-old. Amen? And if you're older and haven't done it, catch up. You can catch up. All right, last confession, I believe believe the Lord Lord is going to to visit me this week. week. Say it over and over. Praise the Lord. Everybody happy, ready to go home. Amen. Well, if there's, as we leave, I want to make sure uh, if anybody doesn't know Jesus, if you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, not your Lord. And there's only two pathways out of this earth. One is eternal life with Jesus and eternal hell. And we don't like to talk about that anymore. But it's the reality, it's the truth, needs to be talked about. The cool thing is, no matter what you've done, uh, what your past looks like, faith is now. Um, I've heard it over the years, especially in family. You don't know what I've done, and that's a reality. I know some of us have thought that, or said, or I'm just not capable you know, I've got too far behind the curve to get into heaven. You know, all that silly stuff. It's really silly, but it's real in holding people back. You know, in the in I believe in Matthew 20, somewhere around there, I was talking about the vineyard owner went around hiring people to work the vineyard. And he started out early in the morning with the people who showed up and were ready for work. They worked all day. And then throughout the day, he brought more people in. And really, jumping, jumping through the story, the last group of people came in and only worked a few hours. 
They weren't ready to work. They weren't prepared. They were goofing off, probably sinning or doing something like that. He brought them in, and at the end of the day, he paid them all the same thing. And the message there is not socialism works. The message there was, it was actually something very different, that the vineyard owner paid them all. He paid the price for all of them. Because one thing he said is, did I not pay you all fairly like what I said I would do? Think about Jesus. The point here was, no matter whether you showed up at 10 years old and accepted Jesus and walked with him and did everything right, or you were 70 or 90 years old and lived a life of hell, he paid the same wages. He paid the same price for each one of us. So if you know, the deck's been stacked against me for 40 years, it does not matter right now. It has no impact on whether you get into heaven or not. You just accepting Jesus is the answer. He paid the same price. If there's anybody that doesn't know Jesus, I think everybody looks familiar from up here. Um, but if you're online, just repeat after me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. God raised him from the dead. Well, he paid the price for my sin and raised him from the dead. And I confess that Jesus is my Lord. Now I receive Jesus and I receive eternal life. I receive all he has to offer me. And I put what's behind behind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hope somebody accepted Jesus. My grandfather was 70, 70 something when he accepted the Lord. Alcoholic, had some other issues, you know, growing up, depression error guy. So, um, and I was very fond of him, but I was able to lead him to the Lord at 14 in the pickup truck. Which means all that stuff behind doesn't matter because I'm going to be mansion next to him. I want to at least be close to him. Maybe a guest house, a summer home in heaven next to him or something like that. But he got, he's, he's in heaven for eternity, not hell. But he lived a life of hell. Not, not terrible compared to what some other stuff, but just wasn't living for the Lord. And what a joy that was to be a part of that. He always had a, when he got excited about something like football games, somebody went in a football game, he'd get excited, he'd go, hot dog! I remember sitting in the car when finally leading him to the Lord, and he looked, all these years, I haven't lived for the Lord, and I've done stuff wrong. He said, but I'm saved now, and he went, hot dog. Anyway, appreciate your time, your patience, and this is going to be your very best week if you want it to be. In Jesus' name, have a great day.